May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. This is a very special baptism today. It's the baptism of Jesus, and it is Wade's baptism. And Wade was the baby who played baby Jesus uh, on Christmas Eve in the Come As You Are pageant. And I think it's the first baby that I've baptized on the baptism of Jesus, who also played Jesus in the pageant. Very special young man. You might have to work on humility later. I don't know. I'm sure he'll be perfect. That's a joke. He is perfect. Today we talk about baptism and we talk about what baptism means and we talk about why Jesus allowed himself to be baptized by John because John called those around him, the people around him, to be baptized for the repentance of sin. And Jesus did not sin. So this unique baptism is special because of why Jesus did it, and it's also special the way it's presented in the Gospel of Matthew. There are three things that are unique to this rendering, this presentation of the baptism of Jesus and how it happened. And these things are incredibly interesting to me. Number one, the, in Matthew 3.16, it's the only scriptural reference to the Holy Spirit as a dove. And that, that, that this is the only representation of the Holy Spirit of, as a dove gives a sense of how... Uh, captivating that is to the imagination of the Christian heart, mind, and soul because that's the number one representation of the Holy Spirit in, all, in art. The dove descending. We have it all over this church and chapel and it reminds us, and I hope it sticks into your mind as well when you see it again, that the dove descending is the moment of Jesus's baptism. The other thing that is unique to this representation of Jesus's baptism in Matthew's gospel is that in the other gospels, God says, you are my son, my beloved. It's a direct, intimate conversation with Jesus. And in, in, in Matthew's gospel, God's voice, the voice of God says, this is my beloved. In you, I am well pleased. And that's a public pronunciation. Everyone could hear it. Everyone could hear the voice of God claiming and identifying and commissioning Jesus in his baptism. This is my son. And the unique thing for Jesus in this gospel is that in the gospel of Matthew, at his baptism, right before his baptism, when John the Baptist was like, I am not baptizing you. 
that's not for me to do. You should baptize me. <coughs> Jesus speaks his first words in the Gospel of Matthew. It's been all about Jesus before, but these are the first words he speaks. And he said, let it be so. Asking John to baptize him, he says, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. For Jesus, of course, fulfillment is the opposite of empty, of things not happening, <coughs> of a vacuum, of an incompletion. For Jesus to say this is the fulfillment is that he is claiming his mission and ministry as the fulfillment of the dreams and the visions and the pronouncement and the hope of the prophets before him. Just like when, from the Hebrew scriptures, when Isaiah says, the blind will see and the prisoner will be freed and the light will shine in the darkness, Jesus is claiming that identity as the fulfillment of the hope of the prophets. And when he talks about righteousness, he's not talking about the righteousness of religious people who look down their noses at others who aren't as good as them. That's not why we become religious. That's not why we come to church. We come to church and we claim allegiance with righteousness because it's God's righteousness. God's righteousness proclaimed in terms of justice, in terms of humility, and in terms of compassion by the Christ who got into the river with us, with the sinners and those seeking salvation of his time, and was baptized as one of them. At his birth, Jesus was identified as the Messiah, and now he is proclaimed as the Son of God for all to recognize. The opening of the heavens signifies the beginning of a new relationship between God and humanity, and Jesus is the model for how we are to represent God and Christ and the Spirit in this world, and that is with humility, compassion, and working for justice. The Jesuit priest James Martin, who's written a number of books, including Jesus a Pilgrim, wrote something so beautiful about this baptism. He says, Jesus participates in the baptism of the repentant because it allows him, it aligns him with those around him, with those anticipating the reign of God, with the community of believers. It's an act of solidarity, a human act from the Son of God who casts his lot with the people of his time, identifying with those who carry sin 
And the divine one is fully immersing himself literally, literally in our humanity. At the baptism, Jesus was taking sides with us. And something that James Martin says really stuck with me. It's a line from this thinking and <coughs> contemplating about the baptism. He says, God stood in line. God stood in line. Jesus stood in line to be baptized. He didn't jump at the head of the line and say, I'm the Messiah. Let me start baptizing everyone. God stood in line. God took sides with us and showed us how to take sides with each other, with our brothers and sisters of all humanity. God stood in line. He stood in line to be baptized. He stood in line to be identified as beloved. He stood in line to belong with those seeking justice. God stood in line to model how to be humble and compassionate. God stood in line with those seeking forgiveness and salvation and renewal. So the question that that line and that that image of Jesus, of God standing in line, the question that it brings up for us today is where does God stand in line today? Where does God stand among the people looking for compassion, for salvation, for forgiveness? I think that some of the answer to that is that God stands in line with the homeless over at Lord of the Streets standing in line to get their mail because it's the only address that they have. God stands in line with the participants in our evening prayer every weeknight here and receives blessings of prayers and sacks of food for the evening. God stands in line in the emergency rooms where people wait in fear and trembling. God stands in line with humanity wherever it is most weak and most longing to hear a word of comfort and a word of justice. This past week, our governor announced that Texas would bring would not receive any more refugees in 2020. Texas, which has been a leader in resettling refugees and has shown Texas's big, amazing hospitality, will no longer do that. So I think that God is waiting in line with the refugees seeking a new life who have been vetted and are waiting in the refugee camps for someone to show justice and compassion. 
I was so proud of our National Episcopal Church who wrote a statement about this, and part of that statement was, refugees bring immense value to communities throughout Texas. They have invigorated the economy, brought innovation to small towns, and made communities stronger through their contributions to public life and cultural institutions. Refugees in Texas are students, entrepreneurs, dedicated employees, customers, elected officials, and community leaders, just like us. They are us. When Jesus waded in the waters of the Jordan River, I believe that is part of the message that he was modeling for man, for humankind, for people throughout the ages to remember that we belong to each other. First to God and then to each other. And we forget that at our peril. The theologian John Stendhal wrote, wrote about baptism as well, and he wrote this. He wrote that the word of baptism is first of all about the delight of God in this beloved, in this chosen. And Jesus reminds us that God was, that he was God's first beloved and chosen. And now we're talking about this baby wave. And we say that the first call of baptism is to remind Wade and his family and his parents that he is God's beloved, he is called by name, he is chosen to belong to the community of believers. John Stendhal continues, as for Jesus, so for us, our first calling, the baptismal calling, is the one that simply loves and names, you are my child, I delight in you. The words embrace us and promise to hold us. This is where it belongs. This is where it begins, with the holding and the naming. And this is also where we believe it ends. At the end of our lives, we are also claimed and held. also often become a call to action, to model, as Christ did, actions of justice and compassion and humility. It will mean mission and ministry and all kinds of tasks. Anointing is a sign of blessing, but it is also a commissioning, as for Jesus, so for us. We are called as Christians who belong to the community of a loving, graceful, triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to name those who help us remember what it is to be human like Christ. And we could name many people, 
For me personally this week, I name my son's tutor, Roche, whose father cannot get in and out of Iran to visit because planes are grounded and acts of war are abounding. And I name my colleague, the Reverend Cameron Nations, who in a local paper gave testimony to the power of what a church can do. And it was such a great idea, I really wish it was my own. <laughs> he, inspired by another church, collaborated with an organization called RIP Debt, Rest in Peace Debt. And for the 70th anniversary of his church in Mountain Brook, Alabama, they did a fundraiser. And they were fundraising to buy debt from hospitals because medical debt is one of the most significant stumbling blocks that keep people in poverty. And so they raised $78,000 and they retired $8.1 million of medical debt because the hospitals sell it for pennies on the dollar. And in the first, the last and the first months of this year, 6,500 people got notices in the mail throughout central Alabama saying, your debt has been relieved by the Episcopal Diocese of Alabama. We are called between the first, you are my beloved, and the last, welcome home, beloved, to a mission of service and justice and humility. And I think this one prayer from the litany of the Orthodox Church at the baptism of Jesus sums it up well. I'm trying to find it so I don't forget. It's from the great blessing over the waters. And with this I will end. We pray that today the blinding mist of the world is dispersed by the epiphany of our God. Jesus' baptism is an epiphany. May we remember that ours is too and work to bring light to every corner of this world. Amen.